Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Go read your Bibles. Be prepared. In season, out of season. I mean, you have to give a defense for what you believe in. You have to. We live in a world that is growing more and more intolerant towards truth, which means we need to be more in the Word than ever before. Because people are going to be asking, and they are asking, what does this mean? You don't have to be a scholar. Please understand that. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to have all the answers. That's not the point. But you've got to know who you can point them to. Do you train for a marathon the morning of the big race? Do you study for an exam while you're on your way to write it? Just as we prepare for challenges in our daily lives, we should also be preparing our hearts and minds for spiritual battle. Because as Pastor James reminds us today, it can come at any time. When you have a conversation with someone, you don't want to be unprepared and not have the words you need because you haven't made a habit of getting into the Bible. Strengthen your beliefs by doing the things that will help you grow. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Acts chapter 8 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. So he says, uh, there's a man from Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury. She was kind of the ruling one, right? You had pharaohs, but then you had like these, uh, Candace would be more of a title than anything. She was probably more so running the nation. She's got this guy who works for her, this, this eunuch. He gets to go to Jerusalem but he's in charge of all her treasury. And it says he had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning and sitting in his chariot. So he's very wealthy because not just anybody had their own chariot. All right. He's a proselyte, which means that he's, he's non-Jewish, but he is kind of converted to Judaism. And he gets to go and worship, but he doesn't get to go into the temple to worship because he's a eunuch, means that he's been damaged. And if you had any physical damage on your body, which is what a eunuch would be, you can't go into the temple. You could only go up to the gates so far. But this guy, he's committed. I mean, he went from Ethiopia to Jerusalem to go into worship. So according to this story, he's on his way back, meaning that he's been in Jerusalem the entire time the book of Acts has been happening, more than likely. Pentecost, he probably was in the city. Who knows if he was in the city when Jesus was led through that city, through his trial and then ultimately his crucifixion. We don't know if he was there for that long, but there's a really good chance as the church is blowing up in Jerusalem, this guy was in the same town. But he's headed back. He's in his own chariot. He's cruising down the road, this desert road where no one lives. He was returning, sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. When the Spirit said to Philip, so here's Philip on this desert road, so he gets there, and he's like, okay, there's nobody here. So this angel of the Lord spoke to him, says to go, go south. He goes south. He's just there on this desert road, and then the Spirit speaks to him. The Spirit says to Philip, go near and overtake his chariot. 
So this is a weird story, okay? Um, some guys would say, like, this guy is cruising down the road in his chariot, and Philip has to run him down. I don't know if that's true or not, honestly, because this guy could have been, I mean, if he's reading and driving, that's not a good combination, right? We know how that works. It's like, it's like modern day texting and driving, like, just don't do that. Um, so he could have been pulled over and was reading. He was reading it out loud because that's what students did back then. It was customary to read the Bible out loud. So I don't know if he's cruising down the road and Philip just is a good sprinter or runner. I don't know, but he's commanded. He's like, go and chariot jack this guy. Like, go steal this guy. Go jump onto his chariot. And you're like, okay. Listen, don't, don't do that, okay? Like, don't just run up and jump in somebody's car, okay? You're like, I really felt like the Lord told me to jump into your car. Don't do that because we live in Texas. And you know, everybody's packing usually, but uh, do not do that. Um, he's not going to call you to jump into somebody's car, all right? But he may call you to go and approach somebody. Please be willing and sensitive to that. So, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? So here's this Ethiopian eunuch in his chariot, not reading this, but reading more like this, the scroll. This is Isaiah, which is a huge scroll, okay, gigantic scroll. So we don't know if he has the entire thing or just portions of it, but he's reading Isaiah 53. And so Philip runs up to him. He's like, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And this is brilliant. His response, how can I unless somebody guides me? How can I unless somebody teaches me? Now, I'm reading it. I mean, I can read the words, but how can I understand it? And the key term there is understand. Do you understand what you're reading? Or more specifically, who you're reading about? Well, how can I unless somebody clarifies it for me? Hence the mission of the church, the mission of you. Your goal in reading this thing is to just, man, to be, just grow in that relationship with the Lord Jesus, his word, he's preserved this thing for us. That's part of it. It's a big part of it. The other part of it is so when you come along somebody, you say, hey, do you know what you're doing? Do you understand what you're reading? Well, how can I unless somebody clarifies it? Boom, there you go. Are you ready? Are you ready for it? Christians who don't read their Bibles, what are you doing? What are we doing? Seriously. Christians who don't read the Bible, that's nonsensical. It doesn't make sense. It makes zero sense. Please understand that. Zero sense. Pointless. You, yeah, you're saved. You're going to heaven. Congratulations. Good job. You didn't do anything to earn that. That's sweet, though. Free gift. I'm proud of you. And I, listen, I get it. I know how difficult it is. I'm not talking about some legalistic thing of like, if you're not checking the boxes every day and all that, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about diving into his word, spending time with a verse, something. But I get it because the enemy gets it too. And he's going to attack against that. But what are you going to do when you run up next to somebody and they're like, well, if somebody could clarify this for me, if somebody could explain this to me, then I might understand it. And then you're left there thinking like, well, I don't even know what that means. I don't even know that reference. Go read your Bibles. Be prepared in season, out of season. I mean, you have to give a defense for what you believe in. You have to. 
We live in a world that is growing more and more intolerant towards truth, which means we need to be more in the word than ever before. Because people are going to be asking, and they are asking, what does this mean? You don't have to be a scholar. Please understand that. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to have all the answers. That's not the point. But you got to know who you can point them to. And that's Philip. Philip's going to show up, and he's like, again, he's filled with the Holy Spirit, but he knows enough when he hears this, what's, what's read that he's like, man, I, I know that. I know that one. I got it. I know that one. So that's my encouragement for all of you guys. That's my encouragement for myself because, again, we've talked about this before. I've been real with you guys. Even as a pastor, you're like, it's your job to read the Bible. I'm like, yeah, I know. That makes it worse. That makes it worse because I have to do it. And pastors will go from wanting to do it to having to do it. You understand the danger there. That's something I battle weekly, weekly. Get into the Word. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Enjoy it. It's so good. It is so good. And be prepared for when this moment happens in your life. Because if you are walking with Jesus and you're like, listen, Lord, I, I don't have much to offer to you, but I want to be used by you. He's going to send an Ethiopian eunuch in your life, so to speak. You should be ready for that. Just be ready. Be ready for it. Here's Philip. He runs alongside him. He's like, hey, you, you understand what you're reading? The guy's like, I don't know. He's like, no, I don't understand what I'm reading. I just came from church, and I don't know what I'm reading in the Bible. I just spent a month at church, and nobody's explained to me what this means. It says, and he asked Philip. He invited Philip to come and sit with him in his chariot. Verse 32, and the place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at this scripture, Isaiah 53, and preached Jesus to him. Why Jesus? Because that entire chapter of Isaiah 53 is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. In fact, we're going to spend the entirety of our Sunday service teaching-wise from Isaiah chapter 53. We're going to walk through it from start to finish. So you can see, because within that, that is probably one of the most popular chapters in the book of Isaiah chapter 53 that we have. It's also one of those ones that just confounds individuals, especially Jews, who are like, who is this talking about? It's talking about Jesus. It's talking about Jesus. This Ethiopian eunuch's like, I, man, I'm reading this, but I don't know who it's talking about. Was it, was it Isaiah? Was he referencing himself? Or was he referencing some other one? And so Philip was able to say, share with him, starting there, where did all did he go beyond that? I don't know. But I know if you read chapter 54, it continues on. And then chapter 55, it continues on. And then chapter 56, you get into this beautiful, beautiful point where more than likely, that's where they, maybe they concluded there. Or Philip's like, listen, Jesus was just here. He died on the cross, and he rose from the grave. But 56 talks about how Jesus came to rescue those who are far off. 
He actually came to rescue and provide a place for eunuchs. It says that word in Isaiah 56. He came to rescue eunuchs and Gentiles. This guy is a eunuch and a Gentile. So more than likely, he just kept going through the Bible. He's like, 53. He's like, yeah, let's start in 53. But we'll go to 54. We'll go to 55. And then we'll go to 56. In the scroll, they don't have chapters, Okay, Just so you know that, all right? But you understand what I'm saying. He probably walked him through that and says, this is talking about Jesus. And this Jesus came to save you. They wouldn't let you in the church in Jerusalem. But Jesus is making a place for you right now. That's good news. That's good news. That's really good news for an Ethiopian eunuch who's like, are you kidding me? So they're, they're going through this. And I'm sure Philip led him up to the cross and, and you know, talking about even the fact that Jesus, yeah, the incarnation and, and the, the virgin birth and, and the sinless life and the, the perfect sacrifice on the cross. And then how three days later, he conquered sin. He conquered sin on the cross. And then he conquered death by raising from the dead three days later. And then he came back and he showed, he revealed himself to them. He spent over a month with these guys. He probably walked them through all those stories, all that stuff, and said, he just left. You just missed him. But here's the good news. He's coming back. He'll be back. So he walks them through all these passages, and he's pointing them to Jesus, pointing them to Jesus. And he gets to the point in verse 36. It says, now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch, now remember, this is in the desert. Okay, where'd the water come from? I don't know. I just know south of Jerusalem, there's not a lot of water. There's really not. I mean, you can get to the border where the, the Red Sea is. We don't know if that's where they're at or if just miraculously down the road, there's a puddle of water that's just deep enough for this guy to get baptized. I don't know. We'll, we'll read the rest of this chapter, and I'm going to tell you this right now. If God wants water to be there, it's going to be there. It's going to be there. And so they came to water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? This guy has given his life to the Lord, and he's like, I want to, to prove yourself to who? You don't need a witness. You don't need too many people to watch you get baptized, because it's just him and Philip. He's like, no, listen, I want an outward display, an outward sign. I want to identify myself buried with Christ and raised to new life. What keeps me from getting baptized? Not a thing. Not a thing. He didn't go through a class. You don't need it. You don't need it. What qualifies you to get baptized? Relationship with Jesus, period. That's it. That's all. Where can this happen? Uh, it can happen anywhere. In the Gulf of Mexico is where we like to do ours. Um, there's a tub back there. We don't want to turn the water on to that. But um, if we have to, we will. Uh, I know guys who've been baptized in bathtubs. Spirits moving, gave their life to the Lord, and they're like, I want to get baptized right now. And we've had friends dunk people in a bathtub. We had kids that we baptized them in the snow. You're like, I don't know. That's kind of crossing the line. It's frozen water. What do you want? I mean, we were on a mission trip. We had kids, students that went on a mission trip, gave their life to the Lord. They want to get baptized. We're in Denver, Colorado. There's nothing but snow around us. We're like, well, we'll do this unconventionally. We'll go outside, and we'll baptize you in the snow. Because the point's not what state or condition the water is. The point is what state or condition your heart is. This guy's like, water, let's do it. Phil's like, okay, you got it. Philip says this to him. Now, this isn't in all of the original manuscripts and everything, but we understand the point here. It's recorded in my, I'm reading out New, New King James. So some would say that this maybe was inserted or whatever. Even if it was, 
you kind of understand what's being said here, right? Verse 37, uh, Philip says, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Perfect. You pass. Let's get baptized. That's all you need. That's all you need. That's it. He's like, you believe in Jesus? Yeah, I believe in Jesus. Sweet. Let's do this. When we do baptisms out in the Gulf, when we do our beach day, it's like the one question we ask people is like, so Jesus is your Lord and Savior. You believe in Jesus? Yeah, I believe in Jesus. All right, here we go. Plug your nose. You're going under. We might bring you up. We might not. Um, depends on how much money your family paid us. Uh, no, they don't do that. We don't charge. Um, whatever it takes to get the message across. But that's it. You believe in Jesus? Sweet. Get baptized. You've never been baptized before? Do you believe in Jesus? Get baptized. Just do it. Why not? Do it. You can, between you and one person on a desert road or you before lots of people saying, I'm a follower of Christ. That's really what it is, saying, I believe in Jesus. I'm a follower of Christ. It's that simple. That's what it is. Here's where the story gets weird. If it has, it's not already a strange enough story, but here, look at this, how it wraps up. Verse 38. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized them. Now, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he, the eunuch, went on his way, what? Rejoicing. Remember that story from Luke I just read to you guys about the, the shepherd? He'll find the one sheep, and he goes away rejoicing. And then he brings it back to everybody. And then heaven has a party, and they are all rejoicing. How do we know this guy? How did we know he really? Because we just had a guy named Simon, and it seemed like he really did. He received the message. He got baptized. Was he ever rejoicing? No. No. This Ethiopian eunuch, the last we ever hear of this guy, you will never hear of this guy again. He walked away rejoicing. That should be your life in Christ. Give your life to Jesus. Maybe you can follow him in water baptism. There should be an element of rejoicing in your life. And I'm going to tell you this right now. The only way you can survive wilderness experiences is by rejoicing. But I don't want to. I know. Rejoice. Rejoice. Not in your circumstances. In him. Rejoice in the fact that this great shepherd was willing to leave the 99 to pursue you. Rejoice in the fact that this great shepherd, even when you're a part of the fold and you're a knucklehead like this guy, he will still come after you and say, no, 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 we don't go there. No, 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 we don't do that. No, no, James, stop doing that. James, okay, get on my shoulders. Get on my shoulders. I might have to break a limb. Get on my shoulders. You know that's what shepherds would do, right? Stubborn sheep who wouldn't ever listen. You might have to break their limb. Oh, but he'll mend it back together, and he'll carry you until it's healed. That's what shepherds do. That's what good shepherds do. He's willing to leave the 99 to pursue the one. That has always been the way he's operated. And he'll find you, and he'll rejoice over you, and you can rejoice in that. And you should rejoice in that. You should. You should absolutely walk around rejoicing in who Jesus is and what he's done for you, just like this Ethiopian eunuch. But where did Philip go? Where did he go? What does it mean he caught him up? 
What does it mean that he caught Philip away? That's almost like a reference to like rapture language. Teleported him. He literally did. Because where we find him is somewhere around 20 miles down another way. 20 miles. That's beautiful. That's like, Lord, can you teleport me and my family tomorrow 20 miles down the road? Because I got to go to Friendswood. My kids got school. Can you just teleport us there? We don't have to deal with traffic. That'd be awesome. It's like, no, no, no. He doesn't always do this. Has he done this beyond this story? I don't know. I have no idea. I have read stories and heard testimonies from missionaries where things like this have kind of happened. Incredible missionaries. Not like we're like, you know, just writing books or whatever, but no, like real legit missionaries who are like, you know what? I was in prison and the Lord got me out of prison. Well, like you went through the whole procedure and the gates opened. No, no, no. It didn't even go through gates. Was inside a prison in China. The next thing I know, I'm outside the walls of the prison. Explain it. Can't. I don't know. So the Lord still does that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he can still do it. He's, he probably still is doing that stuff. That story wasn't that long ago. <laughs> God's not restrained by laws of nature and physics and all that stuff, okay? He, he created those things. So he caught Philip away, transplanted about 20 miles down the road, uh, as Azotus, or however you say that, um, it, that's Ashdod, which was the capital city of Philistine, okay? So he went from the south road over there more towards the coastal regions, and it says, and passing through, what, what, what do you do? I, I want to be there so badly. Like, I want to, when you get to heaven, you can ask Philip, you're like, okay, this transportation, this, you know, teleport thing, what was that like? He's like, I don't know, I just like blinked and boom, I'm in another place. Kind of like the rapture. But he's there, and so it says he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea, which is it's a coastal city, beautiful little town. And every town that he passed through on his way there, he just preached the gospel. He just preached. He preached Jesus. He told all these people about Jesus. And we will find Philip again in the book of Acts, but it'll be 20 years down the road. He's got a wife. He's got three daughters. He's, he's the evangelist. He's Philip the evangelist. His daughters are all prophesying crazy. But he stayed there in Caesarea. He stayed in Caesarea. So he went on from Samaria, thousands of people getting saved, to Gaza, one guy getting saved, worked his way back up to Caesarea where he had a family and he served the Lord, as far as we know, until the day he died. Just a faithful guy. Just a faithful guy. Nothing too exciting happening in his life. Yeah, right. That first part, maybe it's all front-loaded, you know, in the beginning of his life, but he just served the Lord. And, and you can kind of feel that. We'll, we'll see that as we get towards the, the end of the book of Acts there. But you'll see that he just, God, what do you want me to do? I'll just do it. I'll just do it. Even when it doesn't make sense, I'll just, I'll just do it. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. But my prayer for you, my prayer for myself is that I just pray that we're rejoicing. We're just rejoicing. Believers ought to be rejoicing. I know life might not be going the way you thought it should be or thought it was going to be and all that stuff. I get it. Man, I get it. But it doesn't exclude us from rejoicing. We can still rejoice. Even when it doesn't make sense, we can still rejoice because of him and because he came and found us. And he came and found us. We didn't find him. He found us. And he's still on mission. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless. 
That's all we have time for today on Bread for the Broken. We're so glad that you joined us as Pastor James Grizzle teaches through the book of Acts. If you'd like to hear today's teaching again or listen to more verse-by-verse teachings from Pastor James, visit breadforthebroken.com and click on the Teachings tab. While you're visiting breadforthebroken.com, you'll also be able to learn more about the church behind the ministry of Bread for the Broken. At Calvary Galveston, we strive to love and live as Jesus did. We're just ordinary people discovering extraordinary truths from the Bible together. As we continue to journey through the book of Acts, our prayer is that your faith is inspired to move, that when you read about the early church, you rediscover the purpose that God has for your life. You might think you're just ordinary, but God sees you deeper and He knows that you're more than that. Being obedient to the calling that God has on your life might not always make sense, but God blesses those who are faithful to answer His call. And you never know what incredible things God has in store when you freely say, Yes, Lord. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you come visit. Or if you're looking for a new church home, you're always welcome. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. to start the week out right with worship. Our atmosphere is pretty relaxed, so feel free to come just as you are. Find out more and plan your visit by going to our website, breadforthebroken.com. As you go throughout the rest of your day, may you find hope and new life in Jesus.